Chapter 14 of The Goddess of Atvatbar by William Richard Bradshaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nigel Fisher. The Journey to Kalnagor. There was in Kiram a temple dedicated to the god Rakamadeva, or sacred locomotive, which was one of the many gods worshipped by the Atvatbaris. It belonged to the gods embraced in the category of gods of invention, and its motive power was magnicity the same force that propelled the flying men. It was a powerful structure built of solid gold, platinum, terellium, aquilium, and plutellium, and alloys of the most precious and heaviest of metals, and was both car and locomotive, and was hung over a single elevated rail that supported it, the weight resting on six wheels in front and six behind, all concealed by the body of the car. The battery consisted of 100 cells of terellium and aquilium that developed a gigantic force. The six driving wheels at either end of the car were of immense size, and the tyres were hollowed out with a semicircular groove that fitted upon the high, rounded rail. On this rail rested the entire weight of the car, which oscillated as it rushed. The end of each projecting head was inlaid with an enormous ruby, and the framework of the god was enriched in numerous places with precious stones. The sacred locomotive had as attendants twenty-four priests clad in flowing vestures of orange and aloe-green silk, the royal colours, arranged in alternate stripes of great width, typical of a green earth and golden sky. Royal and privileged travellers were alone permitted to harness the god, and by command of the king we were to enter Kalnagur by means of the sacred courier. The route to the temple led through a different part of the city than that traversed by us when going to the governor's palace. We had leisure to observe more particularly the architecture and the appearance of the streets through which we passed. The roadway everywhere was one solid block of white marble, and emporiums and dwellings were built of the same material. You seem to have sculpted the city out of a mountain of white marble, I said to the governor, who rode his bocker kid alongside mine. That is indeed the fact, replied the governor. The entire city has been laboriously hewn from an immense mountain. Then in building your houses you laid the foundations with the roof and then built them downward until you arrived at the level of the street, I said. That is precisely so, said he. Our streets are simply ornamental chasms cut in the solid rock. Both roadway and building are composed of the same stone. One stone has built the entire city. I was surprised at the idea of the stupendous labour involved in carving a city containing half a million inhabitants, but considering that a man could easily lift a block of stone weighing half a ton in the outer sphere, I saw that even so prodigious a task as chiselling Kioram might well be accomplished. It was a new sensation to bound on a bokkakid over the smoothly carved pavement, where once stood the mighty heart of a mountain of stone. All the buildings along the route were wonderfully sculptured. There seemed no end of the floriated mouldings, pillars and other decorations in relief, wrought in a strange order of art that was most captivating. As for ourselves, we must have presented an interesting procession. Our Viking helmets of polished brass gleamed in the sunlight like gold. The emblazoned bear thereon was a symbol to the Atvatbaris of a species of divinity that protected us as beings of another world. We arrived at the temple of the sacred locomotive and were received by the winged priests in charge. Dismounting amid the sound of music, a procession was formed, the priests leading the way along a wide hallway that terminated in the temple of the god. The god Rakamadeva was a glorious sight. On a causeway of marble flanked with steps on either side stood that object of magnetic life and beauty in a blaze of metals and jewels worthy the praise of the priests, in itself a royal palace. 
This automobile car in shape seemed a compound of the back of a turtle and a Siamese temple, and was of extraordinary magnificence. Both front and rear tapered down to the solid platinum framework of the wheels that extended beyond the cars at both ends, the projections simulating the heads of monsters that held each between their jaws one hundred cells of triple metal, which developed a tremendous force. The priests chanted the following ode to the sacred locomotive. Glorious annihilator of time and space, lord of distance, imperial courier, hail swift and sublime man-created god, hail colossal and bright wheel, thy wheels adamant, thy frame platinum, thy cells terellium aquellium, thou art lightning shivering on the metals, thy breathless flights affright at Vatbar, the affluence of life animates thy form that flashes through valleys and mountains on high, the forest roar as thou goest past, the gorge echoes thy thunder. Thy savage wheels ravage space, convulsed with life, thy tireless form devours the heights of heaven. Labour and glory and terror leap as thy thundering feet go by, thy axles burn with the steady sweep, till on wings of fire they fly. The four-and-twenty priests formed a guard of honour as we reverentially entered the car. On our side of the god were seated Governor Laldemir, Admiral Jolar and staff, myself and officers of the Polar King, including the scientific staff. The other side contained the sailors under the command of Flat Hootley, master-at-arms, escorted by Captains Pra and Notothebeck. The priests were distributed around the outside of the car, holding on to the golden handrails. A priest seated on a throne in the front moved a switch, and, with a roar of music, the god leapt upon the metals. The wonderful lightness of the car allowed us to attain a tremendous speed. The mightiest curves were taken at a single breath. The silken robes of the priests flashed in the wind. The car vibrated with a thousand tremors. In the wide windows of thick glass were framed rapid phantasmagoria of landscapes, as the flying panorama unrolled itself. There were visions of interminable prairies over which we swept, a blinding flash, leaving a low, spreading cloud of dust on the rails to mark our flight. We plunged into tunnels of darkness where the warm air roared with the echoes of the delirious wheels. The cry of the caverns saluted us like the shouts of unknown monsters dwelling in the heart of the mountains. The sacred locomotive was an element of life as it shot from the tunnels and bounded up curving mountain heights through pastures of delightful flowers. With wheels prevailed upon by the tensions of the invincible fluid, the monster swerved not before the proudest precipice. It stormed the heights with its audacious tread, flinging itself on the mountain pass, a marvel of power and intrepidity, and known as the devourer of distance. In five hours we had traversed five hundred miles, the distance from Kyoram to Kalnagur. End of chapter 14